Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, we just signed MoGive up through the end of the year to be a sponsor. So, uh, ding, 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 ding. Happy. Yeah, you guys keep signing up with MoGive, and they won't care how our commercial sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you like how I, I helped uh, prod Ken into signing up again? Because their contract ended in April. And so I, every time I've said, hey, you know, your, your, your deal's up. Do you, do you want to continue? He's always done it, right? He's always right. been a stand-up guy. They've been like, yeah, you know what? This is working for us. Let's just keep advertising. And then um, I get an email this morning from uh, from a church planter in Florida. And then his PS was, and by the way, we signed up for MoGive. Here's our link, you know, because of the whole secret shopper that you've been dropping on there. You know, Pete <laughs> likes to give, but he only gives if you got MoGive. And so I forwarded that to Ken. Oh, and Ken, by the way, if you sign up again, check out this email. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, sign Except us up the, at the end of the, the year. The secret tither. The secret tither. <laughs> actually, he's that's, just, looking. that's just what we tell you guys to sign up for MoGive. It doesn't actually happen. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah. So what's going on with you, man? You sound a little under the weather. I have... Uh, I have been going like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. I had my book contract due last Monday. I did not make that deadline, but uh, the people over at Zondervan are very gracious, and they gave me an extra week. So I'm working outside of my other responsibilities early morning and late at night, and that's not helping me get better because I got sick. My daughter... You know, just how early in the morning are you starting? Well, you would know, Pete. <laughs> I get a text from Peyton at 5.07 in the morning that says, call dentist. 
<laughs> to which I was like, seriously, what's up? I'm literally stumbling through my kitchen, you know, before coffee, uh, BC, and I'm stumbling through my kitchen. I'm like, call Dennis today. And I'm like, mean to put it in my calendar. <laughs> it's like, after I clicked the like add, you know, what I thought was the add button, it turned out to be the send button. I texted Pete at 507, call dentist today. <laughs> so I get a text later on about 8 a.m. No, you. <laughs> I thought it was the calendar. You can tell um, I don't get up quite as early as you because I did not respond to that text until about 8 o'clock. Well, here's here's the thing, man. The, the problem is I'm so worked over from a my my daughter who turned three got pneumonia for her birthday so um, she has chronic lung disease and um, she 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 kind of has walking pneumonia a lot Um, but when she struggles to breathe then we know we got to go to the er so um, we uh, so anyways i stayed up all night in the er during the week that i had booked off to work on my book and uh you know, man, I, I just was rough. I got sick. I got this really bad sick and, and, and I got this ear infection. So not to be Debbie Downer, wah, 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 but, uh, man, yeah. So, and I'm not helping myself because I'm, I'm burning the candle at both ends to get this, uh, book project turned in. You know what movie was on TV when, uh, I was up at eight o'clock and sitting with the kids. <laughs> what movie is that? John Doe has the upper hand. California, oh. stay away from here. Stay away from me now. Don't, don't, don't come in here. Whatever you hear, stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. And so being the good parent I am, what did I leave on the TV? Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> you Nothing know like a little bit of seven at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know what, what scene was on TV? My kids are playing around. Remember the scene where it's the sloth? No. Yes. Yes, they break into the guy's house and they think he's dead because he looks like he's all shriveled up. Don't your kids freak out over that? They don't watch it. They're playing. See, my kids. I, I, they don't watch. If they watched, I would turn it off. My oldest one is not afraid of anything. She's seven years old. She never has been. She could look at anything in the face and be like, I'm not afraid of you. My little one is sensitive to anything. So there is this uh, video game at this pizza place we go to. And... uh there's it's something like you know buckmaster or something like that where you shoot all the deer and stuff and then there's a zombie round and you know out of out of the blue out of nowhere there we are minding our own business eating pizza talking and she just starts screaming <laughs> because the scrolling video game segment has come on with the zombies and it's it's pretty terrifying you know i look back and went oh yeah that that would freak me out at the <laughs> And uh, you know, the guys like blowing zombies to bits, and their heads are still chomping. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. So I uh, I took my my MacBook, and you saw I had a uh, Yoda and Bubba Fett on the cover. I took Yoda off. I, I took Yoda off, and it I didn't put, look good on there, man. I'll be honest with you. I'm I glad you took him off. I didn't like it. Actually, it looked better on you know Amazon when I bought it. So I put Kylo Ren on there. So I got Ooh. Kylo Ren, Bubba Fett, and of course, you know, Luke sees it. And he's like, what? What's the deal? You got Kylo Ren. What's the deal? <laughs> and then I put uh, the Rebels logo on there. <laughs> so hmm. he's like, they're good guys now? 
<laughs> I was like amazed that he knew it was the Rebels logo. I, I didn't even know that he knew. I love it. Yeah, so I got to show it to you. It's in the other room. Otherwise, I'd show it to you right now. But uh, anyway, before we get into too much smack talk, what's today's topic? Well, today's topic is what to do when people are mad at you. Oh, so you're going to talk about when I was mad at you? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many times to choose from. (laughs) Oh, there actually are. (laughs) Seriously? You didn't tell me again that you can't do the podcast at 10. I've been scheduling all my time around this stupid thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that to you so much anymore. But uh, No, but I, I do fear much. it. Like this morning, I texted you at 5 <laughs> to 10, and I didn't get a response back. And then all of a sudden, two minutes after 10, I get a text from you. Are you ready? And I'm like, dude, seriously? <laughs> You're like, are you not getting my text? No, it's raining. In California, when it rains, our phones don't work anymore. It won't happen for another five years, but we do have rain this morning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, hey, I have, uh, I've actually been getting some calls and Facebooks from uh, church planners. And I think it's because of the episode where we talked about it and we're like, you know, um, you know, I, I want to be able to help these guys with like what I do, like for the Bivo guy, showing them how to earn extra income and stuff like that. And it's been, for me, it's been a lot of fun. Like I really get a lot out of that. Yeah. And I don't know that they get anything out of it. <laughs> you yeah. have to ask them. Oh, they do, man. But it's just, uh, it's fun because I kind of wish that someone had told me a lot of this stuff, um, you know, when I was getting started and doing my own gigs and stuff. Yeah, you uh, you know stuff about marketing. There's no doubt. I mean, there there are so many things now. I just look at the world differently now. Um, in this next book, I actually have some. Uh, it's straight out of the head of Pete Mitchell. It goes in there and talk a little bit about marketing. Um, not as if, hey, I'm a marketing guru. I'm going to show you how to do it. I just contrast the difference between marketing and you know what you what marketing can do for you versus what you're going to need the holy spirit to do for you mm. there are two different you know things but uh but so much of marketing that we do is unconscious and we just do it poorly because we're not aware that what we're actually doing is marketing and um just understanding the psychology of it and the rules I mean, that's definitely been something Pete i i don't look at the world the same anymore and you see it now you know you, it's kind of like when you when you buy a, a, a red car, you see all the red cars come. Yeah, by. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's interesting. I mean, like some of the things that, like two of the guys I talked to, both of them are kind of web designers, and that's I think where a lot of guys kind of get started. And I hear a lot of church planners who are like, "Oh, I'm a web designer," and so both of them, it, it was interesting because both of them were, um. Like, I would say one of the big flaws that they had in their business model, and it to me it's a huge flaw, is they're charging by the hour. Mm. And that comes from an employee mindset. Like, if you've been an employee, like, what you know is I get paid, you know, X amount of dollars an hour. I get 10 bucks an hour, 15, 20, 30, whatever it is. And so, you know, <clears throat> they're both like, okay, well, you know, I charge uh, $50 an hour. And, you know, so much of that covers my overhead and so much of that's profit, you know, and I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm looking at that going, okay, first of all, you're charging an hourly rate because that's what you're used to. Like what I do, 
is I charge a monthly retainer and I don't tie it to hours at all. I don't care if I work one hour or I work a hundred hours on a client. They're paying me that monthly retainer. Cause if you do the hourly thing, you're kind of trapped into this whole, well, what if they don't have any more work for me? Yeah. And you can't really go get another client because you kind of got this one. And so it, it's just not a good model to have. So anyway, it's been fun talking with these guys and like giving them pointers on this is what you should do. And so it's, it's actually, interestingly enough, I had three different church planners reach out to me in the last two weeks. And then, uh, Tyrone, formerly known as uh, the White Tyrone, <laughs> which, by the way, I was talking to Josh at Simplify Church yesterday. And he goes, yeah, I got this uh, this inquiry from Tyrone. And so I'm thinking I'm going to be talking to a black guy. And it turns out it's the guy formerly known as White Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> that Dude, is awesome. It was hilarious. And so um, I was talking to, to uh formerly known as white Tyrone. And he's like, yeah, I think we should do something for these church planners. So this is kind of what I'm thinking. I want you guys to, you know, email me, go to the church planner magazine website. If uh, you want to email or if you got my email, shoot me an email, whatever. I don't really care. Um, Facebook me. But one of the thoughts that's kind of going through my head is I'm thinking about putting on, it'll be like a two or three day course teaching you how to become a consultant, how to do what I do. And yep. the benefits for the church planner is the time. Like one, you, you, you shore up guaranteed income and you're always going to be able to make money when you got this skill set. Like literally I don't worry about making money anymore because I, I have this skill set. I know how to get clients and I know what I'm able to give to them that they find to be of significant more value than what they pay me, which is the whole, the whole key to it. So I'm thinking about doing a, a two to three day <coughs> seminar for church planners and kind of teaching them how to do this stuff. And I just want to know if there's enough guys who would be interested in something like that. I haven't thought anything more about it. Don't ask me dates. Don't ask me what the cost will be because it will cost. Because one of the things right. that you and I have learned, Peyton, is people who go for free do not implement, do not pay attention. It's people who pay, they pay attention. So there will be a cost to it. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. I just want to see if guys are interested. If they are, then I'll I'll look at it more seriously. If they're not, then I won't worry about it. But just uh, you know, reach out to me. And let me know. That sounds good, man. And guys, definitely take him up on that. I can I can tell you that Pete, um, you know, he's not in this for money um, to help you guys. I don't even know if any of these guys have paid you, but um, no, I that's just, a hole in my business model, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just know that, uh, that that's when in the week we'll talk, we'll talk and you tell me, oh, yeah, these guys, I got this job. It's paying me this much. But what you really get excited about is when you're able to help a church planner. And that's why you're doing this. And I, I keep saying that to, to our audience because I want them, you know, you're not going to say it, but I, I know you've been working with you for, for years now. And that it, I just know it fires you up to know that you're helping a guy who is, you know, advancing the kingdom of God, you're helping him survive or make a living or take care of his family. And uh, that just, I don't know, it lights you up. So as long as you're not from Alaska. <laughs> Mama me, Alaska that's me. a spicy meatball. <laughs> well, we should probably actually get into our topic because I know you yeah. get to cut out a yeah, little bit. I got early. limited time, but I do just really quickly got to talk about um, two things. So I did call you with my uh, my crisis call where I was going to chuck it all and disappear into corporate America and uh, go work around lost people. I kind of remember that. 
Yeah. 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 I, I had a crisis. I was kind of like, I'm done. I'm done with ministry. And but I think you need to tell people why you were done. Not the work. Like you were just sick of working. You wanted to actually reach lost people. That was your thing. Like when you called me, you're like, dude, I'm sick of this. I need to go just work around a bunch of lost people. Yeah. And that was all it was. It was literally, I just needed to go and be surrounded. Because part of the apostolic gene is you get around lost people and you just create community. It's it's effortless. It's what happens. It's how that gift looks in church planning. And you will create a community, which we would call a church, out of lost people. And so I was just feeling really like, man, that's what I need to do. And uh, it was kind of cool because, you know, most ministers will talk you off the ledge. Pete, just listen. And, uh, you know, and I, it was funny because I chatted with Mac Lake, my, my, I guess for lack of a better term, he'd be my boss at, uh, at NAM. And, uh, he was just like, man, I'm glad you got that in you. Cause most guys would probably not tell their boss, Hey, I'm thinking of putting resumes out right now. Cause I gotta be around lost people. And, uh, and he was just like, you know what, Peyton, I'm so glad you feel that. <laughs> He's like, how do we get you around lost people in this job, man? So I don't know if it's going to turn into field training or what's going to happen. Because, you know, I, I train trainers. So we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, he was all in it. Hey, one other thing that I'm doing right now is um, I got some videos that I want to share with you guys. They're on, um, <laughs> oh, shoot. It's on a page called, uh, if you go to YouTube, um, it's Church Planting Ninja. I thought, I thought you were going to say... Uh- uh, your cribs video. You wanted everyone to check. Well, it's out on there. It's all on there. It's it's uh, also on Church Planting Minute or Church Planting Minute dot com. Yeah, all yeah. Of them. It's Pete's Pete's got a site there, Church Planting Minute dot com. And uh, anyways, it's uh, if you subscribe to my channel on YouTube, Church Planting Ninja, um, you'll get those every week. And uh, the more views I have when they go live, um, apparently that does something. I don't know what it does in YouTube land, but apparently it's good. So go check those out. They're actually really cool, which is why you can tell I had nothing to do with them. Hey, you know what? The the, the reason they're cool is Dan Torres. So uh, he did all the post-production on them. We filmed all of those a year ago. In fact, one of them, I got this big old beard. That I don't have any more. <laughs> I love how you filmed it a year ago and you're just now getting around to releasing them. And they're literally less than two minutes in length. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's well, and that's it. It's actually, it's actually Dan. You know, he, I shoot, man, I even paid him a year ago. Oh, really? Well, okay. Well, then there's a problem there. <laughs> so you pay him no, delivery. He, he's paid more than repentant and has made up for it big time. So he's he's gotten busy now. You, you pay on delivery. Let's let's teach you that now. I I know I know right. I I I didn't know. I remember when we were doing stuff and you'd be like, No, man, you're not paying that dude now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Because if it's anything like me, man, you want me to stop thinking about your project? Pay me, because <laughs> then I'm done. Exactly. So cool, man. All right. Well, hey, let's get into this. The topic today. Well, before we actually get into the topic, I think we need to mention, uh, Peyton, that if you have a church or a church plant and you've been thinking about taking uh, tithe via text and online giving, perhaps you should consider MoGive.com. Peyton, how do they find MoGive.com? Well, they go to this amazing thing called uh, the interweb, and they type in MoGive. Uh, how do they spell it? MoGive.com. How do they spell it? You, you can't leave them hanging like that. You got to oh, spell yeah, it out. It's M-O-G-I-V. 
Come on, man. Aren't you down? M-O-G-I-V, cat. You can't be putting no E on the end of that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, whoever has MoGive, G-I-V-E dot com is loving life. Oh, man, I so wish we could, like, go on Fiverr and get Mr. Oh, be careful what you ask for. Remember we asked for a, a meme with the power team? And then Tyrone. Tyrone, Tyrone came through and did a, a power team meme. I think Tyrone started, like, listening to us on his phone because he used to hate how long our church planning podcast episodes were. And uh, but now he's got he's got some app. I think he's got an Android phone. He's like, yeah, I can listen to you at two times speed. It's not bad anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So so there you go, guys. Get signed up for MoGive.com forward slash church to learn more about text based giving and online giving and uh, basically getting your peeps to be able to give. Anytime they want to give and set them up on reoccurring giving all the good That's stuff, right, man, all the good stuff. So now, now, Mr. Payton, let's bring in Doc Brown. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Well, this week's topic is about people liking you. I don't know if you have learned that there's a dilemma between sometimes being liked and being effective. Um, they're not always the same thing. Sometimes you have to make a choice. And I know that when I got back from America, I felt like God saying, hey, you're coming back to crazy town. You're coming back to America where ministry is about building your platform and doing all that crap that you got to do. And I had to dabble in that a bit, I suppose, because I had a book. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, man, I am done with this stuff. And uh, here, here's the reality. You're... Um, if you really want to be a fan, let's, let's put it this way. Let's, let's take the book, right? Church zero. Cha-ching. I wrote a book and I wrote it specifically knowing it's going to piss a lot of people off and it's not going to get me invited to speak at churches. Now you're not supposed to do that, right? The ministerial career ladder says that you uh, put study guide questions in the back. You um, do a book that is going to really appeal to pastors and make them want to motivate their church. And so they purchase large quantities of it. And I just, you know, even when I got back, it was like, you know what? Someone said, hey, you want to come take this church to 6,000? And I said, no, you know, I, I don't want to take that church because I don't want a bunch of people in the room listening to me. Um, I, I want to be out there with people, like Paul said, where Christ is not named. I want to be effective, not be liked. Well, the problem is, let's say church planner, let's apply it to a church planning context. You're planting, you've got a small core team, maybe you got a big core team, maybe you got 100 people, 200 people. The same principle applies. You still have to make that decision on a regular basis. Am I going to make the choice to be effective or am I going to make the choice to be liked? And, and here's what happens. People get mad at you in ministry. And it's a lot of times it's just completely unjustified. Um, sometimes maybe, uh, you know, a, a, a couple um, is fighting a bunch. I've seen this a lot where if a couple suddenly starts coming against me um, and, and I, you know, I Pete knows my leadership style is not like heavy handed or anything like that. But almost always, if a couple just every little thing I, I do is bothering them, I normally know that they've got marriage problems because the psychology of it is that 
Um, you know, what often brings a couple who fights together or fights with each other together is a common enemy. And so uh, a lot of times when people are targeting a pastor, it's, it's almost like a psychological thing where it's bringing them as a couple together and they've united against you. And that's in some ways that's helping their marriage, but it's a temporary fix. They're not really dealing with the problem. They, they, you know, my, uh, my, my, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so they come together under that banner and they attack you. Sometimes people just have a kicking off against authority and you may not even be authoritative in your leadership style, but um, it's more of their issue. It's not your issue. Um, they're the people that when they go to, to work, they immediately start punking the boss because it just irritates them that there's someone in authority or even perceived authority. Boss might be the coolest guy in the world. Um, sometimes you got people where they're, uh, they're traditionalists or maybe their priorities are something theological and you say something that steps on their toes or maybe, you know, there could be all of these different things. Could be that things are going rough. You know, the child has uh, graduated high school, gone off to spring break in Daytona Beach, been caught on MTV doing all kinds of nasty stuff, and their heart's breaking. They're all upset. And they're looking at you going, why don't you reach the youth, you know? And, and, and they're looking for someone to blame. And it may not be them. Um, it may be, uh, I mean, it may not be you uh, that, that is truly to blame. Uh, usually isn't, but they don't want to look at themselves. So I'm just telling you, like over the years, I've had a bunch of people be angry at me for a bunch of things. Um, one of the, the syndromes that we saw in the UK was we called it um, Westminster Orphan Syndrome, where if you remember Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's my hero, and uh, he was at Westminster Chapel. Well, what happened was once everybody... Uh, once Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones left, um, you know, when you have a leader like a Spurgeon or a Lloyd Jones or some high caliber guy, I guess one day it's going to be Rick Warren. Um, no one's ever going to be that guy. The replacement, you know, God help that guy who steps in because, you know, what we found was there were people and I had people in my church that would come to me and say, I sat under the doctor, you know, and, and, and when someone tells you that, what they're telling you is you're not a snuff on him, right? And, and, and the biggest sin that any minister has in the eyes of those people is that he's not Lloyd-Jones or he's not Spurgeon. And so, you know, the, the, these, this is just like a swath of, of reasons people can be mad at you. Um, then there's things that are really your fault. <laughs> Maybe you're not good at communication. Maybe uh, you've been a little bit of a cattle driver. Maybe you're burning your people out. Uh, maybe your preaching sucks. Maybe you're not leading the people with vision. And, you know, you're actually just, you know, making them do chores. And they don't even know why they're doing this anymore. But they feel guilty if they stop. And so, uh, you know, anyways, I'll, I'll shut up. But there's a lot of maybe you said something stupid from the pulpit. <laughs> I mean, maybe you said something about women that ought not have been said, you know. Uh, maybe you made a crack, uh, you know, at, at, at a particular people group and people in the congregation are like, Hey, that's my son or that's my daughter. You know, why, why, why would you say that? Um, so you mean like how I pretty much do on almost every episode of the <laughs> podcast? 
Just remember, guys, um, all hate mail for this show should be directed to Pete Mitchell at. <laughs> it's funny. If they do email Pete Mitchell at churchplannermag.com, it actually automatically goes right into the trash folder, which is why that's the email we give out to everyone. <laughs> that's so not true. <laughs> there is no Pete Mitchell at churchplannermag.com. Oh, that's so funny. But uh, yeah, no, I get it. I, I get it. Having a dad who was a pastor, I remember uh, distinctly this one huge, huge fight that happened uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. And it was between my mom and this one lady. They were in the sanctuary, but I don't <coughs> think anyone else was in the sanctuary. So I'm sure church was over. Maybe it was like a Wednesday night. Who knows? I just remember I was in there. My mom was in there and this other lady was in there. And I don't remember what her name was. But you got to understand the church that my dad pastored was really small. Like I remember uh, when we left, it was probably around 55 to 65 people on a good Sunday. Mm. Um, I don't think it ever really got much above 120 people. I mean, uh, perfect area for a church because, I mean, just lost people everywhere. It's San Francisco. I mean, the Bay Area. Mm. So that's just the way it is. But this lady uh, was going off, like off on my mom going, well, that's his job. His job is to go out and bring people into the church. <laughs> and, you know, my dad, um, his strength, I would say, is he's a teacher. More than being a shepherd or an evangelist, uh, he's a teacher. But he's also, I mean, he's a pastor, right? So he's also an evangelist. I mean, he'll, he'll witness to anybody anywhere. But, you know, Will you he witness s- in a box? <laughs> Will he witness with a fox? He would he witness on the train. He absolutely he would. in the rain. Sorry. So, but I mean, my, my point is, is like when you're in that kind of a, a small uh, church, which often church plants will be really tiny. Maybe you're, you're in a, a re, you know, you're trying to, what's the word? Revitalize the church. Maybe it's yeah. smaller. There's a lot of roles and people are going to assume that you're going to do it because they see the pastor's role as X and you're like, well, the, my role is Y. And, you know, there's there's a difference on what they see the job actually being. So I could see that. Mm, I could see yeah, people being upset. most definitely. I, I think that's a good point, Pete. People's perception of what you ought to be doing is very different. I think if you added up all the perceptions of the people in your congregation, um, you would probably easily have the job of 10 men. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta reach out to the youths. You gotta, you know, uh, social media, you gotta, you know, on and on it goes. You gotta be the perfect shepherd and counsel and be there right when people know, uh, need them, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, like a firefighter, you're on call and you're there, you know, to put the fire out. Um, it, it goes on and on. You must be a theologian on the level of, say, a, a C.S. Lewis or a, you know, a, uh, uh, Wayne Grudem, you you have to be the communicator on the level of Lloyd Jones or Spur. I mean, there is a, a the the cool thing about church planning is it starts with relationship. If your core team doesn't start with relationship, this is why we tell people build your core team for six months to a year, nine months being ideal, right? And uh, you can find more about that in Jump School. Pete and I talk about that quite a bit, and, uh, and then you see Pete get squeamish about the baby illustration. But, uh, but the, the, the reality is you need time to build relationship with these people. Once you've got them in your living room and you're talking, that's not to say that people aren't going to get mad at you. 
like I said, all those reasons I listed before, none of those is a, you know, the relationship is not a silver bullet that, you know, basically puts down each one of those. People still have their issues. They still have problems. Um, the Apostle Paul had a great relationship with the Corinthian church. And yet, you know, they, they killed him. I mean, they slaughtered him. If you think you have it bad when people are mad at you, you go through and you crack open 2 Corinthians. And just let that be a balm for your soul, man. Let that be the Band-Aid on your heart. And just read that. And Paul is just, he's bleeding. I mean, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve in that book. And he's going, what, what have I done now? Have I, and, and he's hurt. You know, he's really hurt. They've hurt him. And he's hurt them. He mentions that. He says, look, I, I know I hurt you when I, when I wrote about the guy who was sinning. But look, this is where I was coming from. And, um, and, and relationships don't keep people from getting mad at you. It just helps the survivability of that situation. Helps you get through it. There's, there's a, an investment of, of trust and, and time and mileage that's gone on. So when you have those things where you get mad at each other, true friendship is true friendship. It, it just stays there. And so what I would say is, is build relationships with people on your team. And there will be people who, um, will still hurt you. And I look, here's, here's my number one advice. Um, and, and this is going to sound cold and calloused, but don't expect so much of people. Don't expect them not to be human beings, right? We get really, really hurt when we forget. The last time I got really hurt by someone in my congregation was because I let my guard down. Not, not in like, oh, I had my guard up. I don't let everyone in close. I let everyone in close. I let everybody be my friend who wants to be my friend. Um, I think that I function better on a team of friends, but I always keep in mind that they're human beings. And when I say I let my guard down, I forgot that these people are people with problems. If I always keep that in mind, then I don't take things personally. And I think a lot of times we have to be careful in taking too much uh, too personal. Really, to be honest with you, if you listen to all those reasons I stated before, they really have very little to do with you. You know, it, it more has to do with maybe an aspect of something. you do. It, it really isn't about you. And I think where we get really hurt is we take things personal. Mm. You know, if I'm out on the street and some guy doesn't like the way I look and he comes up to me and maybe I'm standing there and he goes, hey, man, will you move? He's just going to stand there in the street and be in everyone's way. And he starts cussing me out. Who's got the problem? Was it my problem or was it his problem? You know, if he starts calling me stupid, the only way it really gets upset, it gets me upset is if I feel deep down the side, yeah, I'm stupid. (laughs) And, And that bothers me. But if I'm like, hey, you know what? I am stupid. I shouldn't have stood there. You know what? Then I deflect it. I still know that guy's, he's a meathead. He's stupid too. He's more stupid than me. He's yelling at strangers on the street. But the reality is I'm not taking it quite so personal. And and Wesley had this uh, mentality. He said, the only thing you should ever expect of anyone is to be disappointed. So what I'm saying is your expectations, oh, they're Christians. They act perfect. No, they don't. And they won't. They're broken, bruised people 
who still need Jesus. And you got to keep that in mind with your core team and when church planning. People are going to get mad at you. They're going to turn on you. Kind of like David, where he took, uh, he was fighting the Philistines. He leaves with his army. They go out and pursue the Philistines and they leave the women and children at Ziklag. And as they go to, to, to return back to Ziklag, after really losing the battle, they come back all tired and hungry. And guess who's gone? Man, some raiders had come and taken their women and children away at Ziklag. And the Bible says at that moment, everybody reaches down on the ground with rocks to stone David. Now, the, those were his men, right? That was his troops, his army. These are guys that would die for each other. And at that moment, they all wanted to kill him. And it says, but, the, but David strengthened himself in the Lord is God. And, and that is powerful. That's Paul writing from a prison going, hey, at first defense, all forsook me, all fled, but the Lord stood by me. That's being put in the secret place of the Most High so that you're so full of what God thinks of you. Um, you're, 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 you're more concerned like Paul when he writes to the Corinthians and goes, frankly, I care very little what you or anyone else thinks of me. I don't even judge myself, but I entrust myself completely to him who judges all things justly. And in that day, he will bring all things to light, including the secret motives of men's hearts. Boom. <laughs> That's a mic drop, Paul. Right? So, so it's more to do with don't care how much, you know, number one, don't care so much about what people think of you. Okay. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, every minister ought to have the back of a tortoise and the soft underbelly uh, that a tortoise has. And, and so here's the deal. You got to be tough and you have to be able to take some hits. So you don't care as much. Number two, um, don't let your expectations of people be too high. And number three, deal with the crud under the surface. The, the stuff that, you know, most leaders, like I said, we get in trouble because psychologically we got a lot of wounds. And when a guy's being a jerk to you and you're reacting to it, it's because you got unresolved stuff that they've been able to put a finger on. They may not even know it. They just may be, you know, gushing out their own crap, but they've hit you. You know, it's kind of like the, on the rifle range, you know, you can shoot a million bullets out there, but as soon as you hit that little target, Disneyland and Frontiers land, that little shooting range there, you know, it makes the frog's eyes light up or, you know, makes the, the dummy fall or something. I don't know, but you've got a target there and, and you have to take that before the Lord and go, you know, what, Lord, all my life, my stepdad told me I was stupid. Now this person's telling me or whatever it is, you know, um, and, and you're not dealing with that issue. You have to take that before the Lord and get healing mm -hmm. in that area, or it will always be an Achilles heel that Satan can always aim for to get you to act like a jerk. Because when people hit those things, when they're mad at us, that's when we react poorly. Right? It's kind of like Moses, you know, with the children of Israel at the rock, you know, when he when he finally just goes, You want water? <laughs> you can't handle the water, you know, and then he 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 takes his staff and cracks that rock as hard as he can. And God says, hey, we need to talk. You know, they push your buttons. You have always had a temper problem, Moses. Um, you've kept it in check all these years since you killed that Israelite. I mean, that Egyptian. But uh, you know what? You were in a bad place here. Your sister just died. If you know Miriam had just died. And uh, he was raw. 
and he had some unresolved issues and he wasn't at his best and uh, he misrepresented God to the people. You know, uh, last night I was at train. That's an unresolved issue. (laughs) I was at our favorite place, but by myself, I was enjoying a a nice uh, beverage and I was reading uh, the book that we've shared before on this podcast uh, which is called Imagine Heaven, and it's all about near-death experiences, and uh, and it's written by a pastor. And he, what he does that's very unique in this book. If you guys haven't heard the interview, um, Peyton, what was his name again? Oh, uh, John Burke. Yeah, John Burke. If you haven't listened to that interview, it's on Hardcore Church Planning. It's a great interview. And by the way, not all near-death experiences are good and positive. In fact, uh, it's estimated that the majority of them are people going to hell. And uh, there's so much shame culturally with that that people don't want to talk about it. And that's yeah. why they're – I mean, no one writes a book on you know 90 Minutes in Hell. <laughs> you know, that's just – which, yeah. by the way, would probably be a great selling book because I think that would capture everyone's imagination. <laughs> but um, I'm reading last night in the, in the book because usually I listen to audio books when I drive. And I, I read um, Christian books a lot when I'm, I'm sitting there in, in islands enjoying a – enjoying my dinner. And there was a, there was a line in this that I thought was really, really powerful. I, Cause I, it made me highlight it on my Kindle and here's the context. All right. So it was this one guy's near death experience and the commonalities between people's near death experiences across the world in different religions, um, even in polytheistic religions. It's amazing um, mm. because they all seem to encounter this uh, being who is um, we would call him Jesus and like this one lady who was Jewish, we shared this before mm. she knew him was Jesus and she goes, but I'm Jewish. I don't even believe in Jesus. <laughs> you know, this isn't supposed to happen. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Well, and unfortunately, I mean, even after she came back, she was like, uh, eh, you know, but I don't believe in Jesus. So like she still rejected yeah. him even after seeing him. So, um, the reason why I'm sharing this is this was a really powerful statement. So this guy is like basically questioning Jesus. And so he thought about the, the worst people he could think of, which were child molesters. And he goes, um, you know, what about the child molester? And basically every story where Jesus is, is, you know, communicating with people and it's not always verbal communication, apparently, um, the way most people describe it, because it's we're not physical. Um, it, it's you got to read the book. You got to read the book to really understand it. But this was the first time that that anyone reported, at least that was written in the book, where Jesus just came back with a really stern statement. And basically, what he said was, "Who are you to undo what I did?" And he outstretched his hands, you know, signifying, "I died on the cross, even for that guy." And I think. Um, and, and the guy says, and I got it in that moment. You know, God mm. wants to have a personal relationship with everybody. He's willing to forgive everybody. He's already paid the price to forgive everybody. And I think um, the reason why that really captured my attention is because there are so many people, and we've talked about this on the show. I mean, I'll go to Redline so quick. Um, and, and you know, it just... Uh, <laughs> you and I both. Yeah, well, I think probably <laughs> a lot more people than want to admit it. Uh, but you can run into that with pastors and you'd be like, well, that guy's a jerk anyway, you know, and, and it just, it kind of struck me, you know, who are you to undo what I did? 
Jesus still died for that guy and you guys got issues, do what you can to straighten it out. Right. I mean, it was it was one of those those moments. It was it was a key takeaway. Now, whether or not he because he even writes in the book just to for everybody who's listening to this right now going, oh, I don't believe in near death experiences. They're all demons, you know, fooling people. He even says, hey, I don't know. I haven't had one. I don't. I mean, maybe this being is Jesus. Maybe it's not. I mean, we know Lucifer was the most beautiful angel. And, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> but the point is, is he, he, in fact, he even says this. He goes, uh, uh, if all these near-death experiences are done by demons, then they're doing a really horrible <laughs> job because they keep pointing people back to God. Okay, I'm sick and I'm tired. And that's my excuse for what I'm about to say, but. Like when someone says I haven't had one, it's, is it appropriate for me to go? I have. (laughs) 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 No, that's not right. Well, the funny thing is I always have to clarify. If you haven't been a long time listener of the podcast, Peyton did die on the operating room table for 20 minutes. Yeah. Once upon a time. It's, uh, it's actually on, uh, it's actually on, uh, Christianity today. It's on a, uh, Let's see. My near life experience. If you want to read the article. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, that's my, my only point in sharing that was just, um, I think that's one of the things that we all have to keep in mind when we're dealing with these people who, who, um, are upset with us and picking a fight with us and disagree with us. And sometimes they're just being outright jerks towards us. Yeah. Y- you know? Yeah, absolutely. Did I tie that in or was it just out in left field? No, you did. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is that, you know, we're, um, when, when those dynamics are going, obviously sometimes Satan is, is out to get you, you know, sometimes God is going, Hey, you need to grow. And, mm. you know, um, you, you do care too much about what people think of you. And so I think sometimes those things happen, you know, Maybe a better way to say this is that in any temptation, any situation, any trial, um, Satan is always looking to bring out the worst in you, um, to keep you where you've been, to pull you down further than where you've been. So maybe you've been struggling with the dented ego, but now all of a sudden, because someone's mad at you, um, you're going to reinforce that by being an absolute moron in that situation, which is just going to reinforce you know, the lie that, that, that you've believed about yourself. Whereas God is going to always be wanting to bring out the best in you. So whereas Satan wants to bring out the worst of you in every situation, God is using that as an opportunity to bring out the best. And the best, of course, is him in you, him working through you to change your mind first off, you know, renewing your mind, um, Romans 12, um, but but also not only the renewing of your mind by the word of God, but in in what He thinks about you, um, but but also uh, you know changing your behavior, giving you a new breakthrough. And so for me, the 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 thing that I suppose really helped me not to be defensive um, was just like I've said many times on this podcast. Really, it took you that long to figure that out about me? That's worse. And 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 Charles Spurgeon, they've, there's a really funny meme about Spurgeon right now um, going around where it says, whenever a man criticizes you, remind him 
that uh, whatever he's saying is not even half the truth about you. And then it suddenly, um, you know, they, it's like three frames and the last one's got him wearing this like pixelated sunglasses. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, hey, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, boom, look at my statement. Mm, and uh, but, you know, pro- probably, you know, the best place I could turn you guys other than than God himself and the scripture on these things um, is to look, uh, you know, and hopefully I've given you enough scripture today um, to at least get a start. The Bible does deal with this stuff. Um, the Psalms is big on this. Um, Second Corinthians is just the theology of this, really, how to deal with people who are attacking us, where Paul's kind of boasting at a certain point. And he, what he's really doing, I had a discussion in my, in my latest book because I told people, Paul boasted, you probably wouldn't like him. And, uh, and, and some of the editors that, that are in this group, you're in it, Pete, they gave me some pushback and said, whoa, 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 you know, boasting. Well, he does boast. He boasts quite a bit in the scripture. But in the famous one where he boasts and says, I'm like a fool doing this right now, um, what he's actually doing is he's he's saying, hey, guys, um, I'm, I'm being a fool in doing this because Paul didn't normally uh, boast uh, in this manner. But what he's actually doing is saying, hey, they're boasting, but they're not doing anything that would back it up. And let me tell you what I actually do. Um, and now you'll see why I don't boast. People who our doers don't usually have to talk about it. And so um, anyways, uh, all that to say, Paul has this whole, you can just learn loads from reading Second Corinthians, but a book that I would hugely recommend for any one of you that's going to climb into the trenches of church planning and decide you want to go to battle, you need to read a book by uh, Paul Tripp, it is called Dangerous Calling. And of course, uh, it's one of those books you read it and you think, I need to read that once a year mm. just to recalibrate me. It's just that stinking good. It's in my top 10 list of books to read. It is beautifully, beautifully written. Um, there are some, uh, <laughs> there is some examples of editing in there where um, he must have used the same, you know, you cut and paste and go, I'll put in this chapter. No, I'll put in this chapter. And an editor would have normally caught that, but they didn't. So there's a, a some redundancy in a couple chapters. But that said, that book is, as far as I'm concerned, a secret weapon for any minister who wants to put into practice some of the things we talked about on this podcast. Um, but, but in particular, um, you know, someone who wants to keep his eyes focused on Christ, not let it get about him. When you let ministry get about you, you're really in danger of, you know, the more open you are to people's praise of you and and the better that feels, the worse the criticism smarts mm. when it turns and it will turn. And so you have to graciously learn to deal with both. They're two sides of the same coin. You have to not let the praise matter to you so much um, so that the the insults and the attacks don't debilitate you. They're nice when they come. I mean, Mm -hmm. no doubt. It's nice. Everybody should be encouraged. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Encouragement is awesome. But but you just have to kind of, you know, like Paul, look to that one voice that you want to hear praising well done my good and faithful servant and like paul says i leave it to him who judges justly and um at the end of the day 
Uh, that's what you want. You know, I think of Mary, Queen of Scots, who said about um, John Knox that he feared God so much that he didn't fear anyone else, including me. And, uh, you know, and that, 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 that's what it ought to be, I suppose. Mm. Well, I dig it, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us. Do we have another commercial we have to throw out there well, so they keep paying I, us money? I wouldn't call it a commercial so much <laughs> as I would say um, if you don't want to go to jail for how you handle your church's tithe contributions. <laughs> if That's fear marketing. If you don't want the IRS coming. It's funny. I was talking to Josh, who, who runs SimplifiedChurch.com, which, by the way, we're giving them their mad props right now. And he said that they will get calls all the time from pastors' wives. And he goes, they say the same thing. I don't want my husband to go to jail because of this church. Wow. And they're talking about, you know, the the tithing, the contributions, doing everything correctly. And uh, so basically, if you don't want to go to jail, you need SimplifyChurch.com to handle all of that back-end stuff that you're not good at anyway. So reach out to them at SimplifyChurch.com and let them know that Pete and Peyton sent you. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for the Church Planner Podcast today. This has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music